you know, um, um, I'll, you know, I'm going to carry on because um, on our on this theme that we've been doing, we've, and we've been since Pentecost a couple of Sundays ago, um, we were talking about uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, obviously, and and you know, the Holy Spirit is not a doctrine. He is a person. He is way more. He's not a doctrine. He's not an ideology. He's not just something on a mission statement or on a statement of faith. That he is, he is a real, real person. And, and you, know, you want to know why that the body of Christ is so underpowered or out, not powered today? It's because he's putting, put in the box and put on a mission statement and left there. And, and, and we, as a, we as a body need to know how to engage with the Holy Spirit as a body. And we need to know primarily how to engage with the Holy Spirit in our own hearts and lives. That's where it begins. I love it. You know, there's such a gentle, quiet spirit here this morning. Do you know that God can do miracles in any kind of atmosphere? Do you know that you don't have to be jumping up and down and screaming out loud and rolling on the floor? or whatever. I mean, that's fine. God can use that too. You can work in that. God's just not limited. I've been on crusade fields where I've seen God just do amazing things. And like I said so many times, there hasn't been sort of a, a, uh, uh, some kind of a drum roll. You know, we think that, that you know, everything works so dramatically. God's going to do something. Here's a drum roll and symbols clash and ta-da. It's like I, 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 that, you, that blew me away on the mission field. We just have, we just preach the gospel and, and then whatever. And then, I mean, we lead people and like pray, lead them in a prayer of salvation, pray for the sick. And, and then we'd ask people, so who got healed? And you'd see hands go up and then you'd come up and we'd get help, get testimonies and dramatic miracles. There was nobody telling people. There was no, no TV, no cameras, nobody to impress, no fancy music to get all the emotions swept up. Now listen, emotions are great when you get your emotions involved, but they, they're, they're a great follower. They're not a great leader. If you follow your emotions and you associate your emotions with the move of the Holy Spirit, then you chase your emotions and you'll never really stay. You'll run from meeting to meeting for, for emotional response to emotional response. And then you'll say, ooh, wasn't that good? Did you feel the Holy Spirit? Does it matter? It doesn't matter if you never feel him. I'm going to say it again. It doesn't matter if you never feel him. He's real. You know, when I mentioned last week that we're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body, and um, not teaching spirit, soul, and body, but you know your soul is your mind, your will, emotions, typically, and, and your, your spirit, your spirit is that part of you that is a, that's eternal, that connects with the eternal realm. That is your, that is your spirit. There is spirit matter, if you want to call it that. It kind of sounds like an oxymoron. But, but there is physical matter and, and molecules and atoms and things like that, I believe. But there is a spiritual matter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he wasn't just talking about the stars and the planets and things like that. There, he created there. He is a spirit, it tells us. God is a spirit, in John 4, 24. And they who worship him must worship him in Spirit. Yeah, we've got to worship him in spirit. It doesn't mean that you just walk into a building and you sing the right songs and sing at the right pace and 
get all emotional and then, oh, well, that's worship. No, you know that spiritual worship is bringing a surrendered heart to God. Romans chapter 12 actually says, you know what is our spiritual worship? Allowing our minds to be transformed, giving him a renewed life. Amen. Anyhow. But there is spiritual matter, and, and the Holy Spirit resides in us. As, but when you get born again, He comes and indwells you. He, he, he is the God part of, of the, God comes and dwells part of your spirit. And, we, and there's this union that we, we won't, we'll have to leave for a whole series to talk about our union with Christ because it is so incredibly rich that we've become one in Christ. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the very hope of glory. And there, there it, like I said, we'll have to unpack that another time. But listen to this. Um, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, these, it says this, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness uh, in deceitful schemes. And, and I'm, I'm lifting this piece out of a much larger passage for the sake of time. Um, but, but the point, he's talking about the fivefold ministry. God has given gifts unto men, and, and it says that, that, that these gifts are to bring us to maturity, and that this is the point, that we are no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And, and you know, I feel that there's, it seems to be in the body of Christ, generally speaking, there is such a immaturity, forgive me for saying that, um, but there is generally speaking in the body of Christ at large such an immaturity. That's why even, even this very fundamental truth of the teaching of the Holy Spirit is not, is not received. He is not well received. And now I love my brothers and sisters that don't want to teach on the Holy Spirit and, and, and are afraid of the Holy Spirit and, and have all these weird and wonderful ideas or crazy ideas about the Holy Spirit. But I, honestly, the Word of God is very simple. And, and as, as we unpack these truths, let's just do that for a second. Just, just close your eyes a second and just yield to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I want to hear what you have to say. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. And so I want to hear what you have to say to me. And Holy Spirit, I give you, as my teacher, the right and the place to teach me. I yield to you. Amen. Amen. Such an important thing. Um, you know, there was a, a, a difference, which I love to unpack this little bit of a story, and I, and I hope to do it fairly, fairly briefly. Um, but it warrants a little bit of time. But Peter is, is a character, and he is really a character. Um, Peter, the, uh, the apostle, the disciple, later apostle, we see this about him in, um, in Matthew chapter 16. Um, Jesus, it says, in, I'm reading from verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He goes on to teach on these things. And it's, it's interesting that Peter gets this amazing revelation that, that Jesus comes back and, and, and says, you are blessed. He says, this was not revealed by flesh and blood. This didn't come. So that's even interesting. Jesus saying it wasn't an external realization. It didn't come to you by flesh and blood. It came because you had, been, you had received a revelation of this truth. And, and, um, and so not, not, not even seven verses later, uh, it says this in verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Wow. How's that for a spread of a change in seven verses? Peter, for a moment, has received this revelation in which the whole church is going to be built on. Christ, the Son of God, this is a whole revelation that's going to be like, man, you have heard God, Peter. And then seven verses later, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> Do you know that we and you and I have got the ability to yield to the Spirit of God or we can yield to other spirits? Yes, even you. You, sh you should raise your hand and say, yep, even me. Yeah, I, I, I can yield to the devil. I can yield to the spirit of Antichrist. I can yield, however, to the spirit of God. Praise God. That's powerful. Your choice. And, you know, nobody's taken your free will away from you. It is your choice whether you will yield to the Holy Spirit or you will yield to another thing. And he says, you know, you're not bearing, when he, when he rebuked Peter here, he said, you're not bearing the things of God in mind. He says, you have the things in man in mind. You, you and I just need to walk a little bit in the flesh. We just need, you know what, when we walk in the flesh and we sort of put Jesus on the back burner and we forget about him for a while and we just carry on doing the worldly stuff and worrying about the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things, blah, blah, blah. We're just living our lives. It doesn't take long before selfishness steps forward. If you're married, Corinne and I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the more selfish, I'm going to say I'm the more selfish one because she's not here. Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> She's in the children's building. But, but you know, selfishness steps in. Selfishness, the things of this world. What about me? What about my rights? What about me? You should be doing this for me. This is me, 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 me. Selfishness is a big thing. But you know that we have to learn to yield to the Spirit or we choose to yield to the ways of God and to the ways of, uh, I mean, or we've got to choose to yield to the Spirit or, or we can choose to, to listen to these things. I mean, I, I, I am persuaded that, that what's happening, and we spoke about it last week. I don't want to build it up, go and listen to it last week. I believe it was Spirit-led. But the body of Christ, if you are stepping into hatred, you are not yielding to the Spirit of God. If you hating anybody, Let me ask you a question. Wherever did you see Jesus hate people? He got mad at a few. 
But nowhere did he hate people. If we, we can, and I'm saying just because it's, it's good, good, sweet Christians and you're standing up for the right there. Yeah, not getting it started, sorry. <laughs> you can be standing up for the right, but I tell you what, you can't, you can't tell people to live right and get them into the kingdom. You don't enter the kingdom because you live right. You don't enter the kingdom because you behave right or act right or live right. You enter the kingdom simply because of one thing. You believe on him who is our righteousness. We receive him who is our righteousness and we receive what he did by faith. You can't live right enough for the kingdom of God. And the world does not understand this. We only can receive righteousness by faith. We are saved by grace through faith alone. Grace alone through faith. We access that in any case. That's fundamental Christianity, right? But, but I tell you what, if, we, if, we are, if the body of Christ steps out into hatred and you point fingers at homosexuals and you point fingers at this and you say that you, because they're doing wrong, you've got to, you're entitled to hate somebody? I'm sorry. No. No, I'm not sorry. No. <laughs> Don't. Don't. That's not approving people. It's not approving people's sin, people. That's not what I'm saying here. Don't, don't take that out of context. It's not approval of anybody's actions. It's very important. You, is you, do you live a perfect life? Even though you're born again? You ha- I'm sure you have a dramatically different life to the one you used to live before you knew Jesus. But for, none of us are perfect. John, the Apostle John writes in... In Job, he says, if any of you say you're without sin, you're a liar. The truth is not in you. That's the Apostle John, late in his life. Anyhow, so if we're going to make it about sin or not sin or what you're doing, that's not what it is. That's not what it's about. We can't expect people to know Jesus and experience Jesus until you get them born again, until they are born again. Until you and I give them the gospel, the light of all these wonderful truths, which is not going to be the topic today. Help me. <laughs> but if you, if we've got to give them the light so that they can see the truth and have changed hearts. When their hearts are changed, their lives are changed, they receive His righteousness and their actions will follow. Always. Amen. Any case, I'm moving light around. I'm going trying back to get to Peter. Peter says... He says, get, get behind me, Satan, uh, Jesus tells him, um, and, and yet he had this revelation. So then, of course, you, you, you bounce forward a few chapters into Matthew chapter 26, uh, and in verse 31, then Jesus said to them, you will fall away um, because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Everybody else might. But not me, Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Now I know most of us stop reading there, but it actually carries on there. And all the disciples said the same. So Jesus gives a little bit of a a hint to Peter, listen, you're going to deny me. And then the, the, the denying piece comes uh, out in, in, just in that same chapter in verse 69. Peter was sitting outside the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, 
You also with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And then went out to the entrance. Another servant girl saw him. And she said to the bystander, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he said again, and sorry, and again he denied it with an oath. Wow. I do not know this man. After a little while, the bystanders came up to Pete and said to Peter, Certainly, you are too one of them, for your, your accent betrays you. And then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, there's... You know, this, this passage is powerful because obviously after the resurrection of Jesus, we see in the book of Mark, I think it's Mark 16, that, that, there was a, that some of them come to the tomb and they see this, this, this young man sitting on the edge of, of the bed or the, whatever the table or whatever the chair, and he's sitting on the edge of it. And they ask him, and they ask, where's the Lord? And he says, oh, no, listen, he's risen from the dead. And it says, go and tell his disciples and Peter. It's pretty cool, right? He says, go and tell his disciples and Peter this, and he's going to meet you up there. You know, I just think it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful reminder that Jesus had prayed for him, if you follow the whole passage, and said that Satan had tried to sift Peter, and, and Jesus had prayed for him, and Jesus comes and reaffirms him, and you see this in, later on in the book of John. There's just so many beautiful things that Jesus speaks to Peter to, 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 uh, to restore him and to, to, get, to purge his conscience from this act that he felt so bitter, that he had sworn an oath that he wouldn't deny him, and here he denies him. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever experienced a place where you've experienced shame in your life in, in, a, in a similar sort of way. Maybe you felt like, I shouldn't have done something, or I did do something, and and you experience that sort of a shame, like, ah, oh, I, I, I'm better than that. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have done that. Some moral failure, some big moral failure. I don't know about, I mean, I used to do, I know some of you have done some prison ministry. Do you know how many good, wonderful Christians are in prison? I mean, it's like seriously good, wonderful pastors. Bad mistakes. Simple things, issues. There's not a big difference between them and us. We've all made faults and failures, and, and we do well to remember our brothers and sisters in prison. Because remember, we're not righteous because of our actions. We're righteous because of Jesus' actions. And we all, we all make mistakes, all of us. We all make mistakes. And some of it, in any case, but shame can come in, and shame is a terrible thing. Guilt and shame will chew you up and spit you out. Yeah. Guilt and shame, if you don't know how to purge your conscience with the blood of Christ, and that's what communion is about because we, you have to remind yourself because you're, you're, you can have an evil conscience and your evil conscience will tell you, you're not worthy, you can't do it, blah, blah, and so you have to purge your conscience and that's a whole other topic we can get into sometime. But, but, but the guilt and shame, if you allow guilt and shame to camp out in your life, It'll chew you up. You are not designed to carry guilt and shame. And, if, and, it, and it, because you normally carry guilt and shame because you are not remembering how you were saved or how you were forgiven, how Jesus paid the full price for your sin on that cross. 
the penalty for every one of your faults, failures, past, present, and future was paid by Jesus in full. Tetelestai paid in full. Do you know that you do not stand white on your own ability because Jesus gave you a good scrub with his blood? You wear the very righteousness of Jesus. It says that he gave us his righteousness. God made him who had no sin to become sin so that for us that in him we might become the very righteousness of God. That is persuasion, people, to persuade yourself when you've, when you've, met, when you've fallen, I am the very righteousness of God. To look at yourself in the, in the mirror and say, I am the righteousness of God when you've failed is faith. Because you have to believe what Jesus says about you and not what you feel. Guilt and shame shouldn't be there. But now some people who are waiting for an excuse will hear what I've just said and say, well, you're saying that you can live like you want to. I'm saying that's very foolish. Sin will destroy you. The wages of sin is death. Sin is, will bring its own destruction. So I have to say that almost every time we talk like that because it's never a license to sin. It's never okay to go and sin. But I'm telling you that even when you do sin, will God change his attitude towards you? Never. 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 Ever. Anyhow. So, forgive me. Back on this topic. No, it's not wrong. So in any case, so I love, I love Peter's, so something, we have Peter, so this page, Peter is wept building, he's got guilt and condemnation, he has, he's denied the Lord, and, and he was bold to stand up and say, I'll never do it, and so he had a pretty, he, he had like egg on his face, like sincerely, with all the disciples, like, yeah, right, Peter, remember, he did that publicly, and here he felt, well, okay, so... We see, though, in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4, these passages about when Peter has this, ma- this, this majestic change of the Holy Spirit inside of him, um, which is the difference, right? So Jesus, he experiences the Holy Spirit. He gets baptized, as it were, filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and then he yields himself to the Holy Spirit. And this is an altogether different man. Listen to this in Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. I mean, I'm only taking a piece of this sermon from Acts chapter 2. It's powerful. But he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. He was saying this in front of Jerusalem. You, he, he has his... He has his finger out and he's saying, you are the guys. This is him, attested to him. This is the man that, that was spoken about in the prophet Joel. This is what you experienced. This is what was happening. And you killed him. He didn't have, he, he wasn't the same, he wasn't the same Peter that just a little while ago said, couldn't, couldn't say that he knew Jesus to a servant girl. Now he's talking to the city of Jerusalem in the very next chapter. He's talking to the Sanhedrin. He's talking to leaders and elders. And then he says this, uh, Acts 3, 14. 
But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Again, I'm only just taking pieces out of it. In verse 19, he says, repent, therefore. <laughs> repent and turn, the, he says, therefore, and turn again so that your sins may be blotted out. I love this piece in Acts chapter 4. Next time, very, very, very close together. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, listen to this. In, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, remember he healed that guy, they, they, they pulled that man up um, at the gate, beautiful. By what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. A different Peter. A Peter who was, knew how to yield to the Holy Spirit. My brothers and sisters, we need to know the Holy Spirit isn't just a doctrine of, yes, He's with me. What are you allowing Him to do in you? Will you let Him be in you and through you who He is there? I'm telling you, if this is only a doctrine, you will never yield to Him in the way that He wants to yield to you so you can fulfill your purpose. You and I all have purposes. Not all of us are going to be preachers, but some of you might, or some of you are going on mission trips. Oh, I can never speak to anybody over there. I'm just so afraid of going to talk to somebody. Yes, you can't on your own. You have to yield to the boldness within you. Do you know that the, it says that when they, it, in, in, I think it's in Acts chapter 3, one of these passages, it said they looked at his boldness, him and Peter, and and. and Peter and John's boldness, and they said, this is somebody else. Boldness. Boldness is one of those things that you and I can choose to yield to. And guess what will happen if we don't use to yield to it? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because we are yielding to fear. We yield to intimidation. We yield to the little voice that says, shut up, you're not worth anything. And we believe that voice because we haven't learned that there's a Holy Spirit in us. We haven't learned that He is in us. We haven't learned that our spirit has become one with Him, that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. That I need to yield to Him to step into something that I can't do in my own ability. So that even when my life is on the line, that's okay. This ain't real life. I know where my real life is coming from. But that's a choice. It's a choice to learn and absorb, receive it. And it's a choice to be able to step into it. There are so many things that the Holy Spirit has given us. You know, one of the things I'd love to teach is on, on praying in the Spirit. And, and, I, and I've, I teach it all. I've men, on many Wednesdays, I've gone through the benefits of praying in the Spirit and learning how the ben, or what, what happens when you pray in the Spirit. 
and 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 we'll do that another day because it's there, there are so many awesome benefits to understanding what you are doing when you're praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to flash through some of them. You, you're intimately connecting with the God. You, you're bypassing your head. You're being able to talk a language with Him. You can pray the perfect will of God. You can lay hold of help for the Holy Spirit to pray the perfect will of God for you. He is laying hold of with you against some things. We can go into Romans 8. That um, uh, Isaiah 26 says that he in rest, there's rest and refreshing in the Holy Spirit. That you can energize yourself, you can charge yourself, you can empower, you can build yourself up by praying in the Holy Spirit. But if you don't, re- if you don't take the intention of saying, oh, I need to grow a little bit in my growth, my renewing my mind, I've got to lay hold of these truths and actually put them into practice. I've actually got to absorb them. I've got to be intentional, not just about hearing them or some words or, or going through a little course. And, and, uh, no, it doesn't matter how many little courses you do. What are you doing with the little courses? Are you laying hold of the truth and are you putting it into practice in your life? Because Jesus said, if you don't put it into practice, when the storms of life come, you will be destroyed. And, and, and listen, just use, understand the word destroyed there. You, you, my people, there's a, there's a, your house will collapse under the storm. How many of you felt like that? I mean, I'll be honest, it's happened to me numerous times in my life. Oh, it's never happened to me. I, I'm just fine. Listen, if, you, if you, you can have a one or two, three things happen in your life and it sets you off and suddenly you feel like you're... Your life is in shambles. And I'm talking about Christians, people. Let's just talk about us believers here, in-house. Jesus said, Matthew 7, you build your house on the rock by hearing his word and putting it into practice. James says, don't deceive yourself by just hearing the word of God. Put it into practice. And that's not becoming a legalist and trying to to achieve righteousness Nobody can achieve righteousness by their actions. Nobody can manipulate God into doing something or giving them something by the actions. That's called dead works. And if you don't understand dead works, do D group. Let's start at the beginning. Because dead works is something we have to, very, one of the very foundations we have to repent from. You can't make God do something by your actions. But we have to put the Word of God into practice. We've got to follow. If Jesus says, this is the way, walk in it. Walk in it. I don't want to go to church. I just went to church and I told them, they told me how I could walk in the way. I know how to walk in the way. (laughs) Good. Good on you. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with the... with these, this knowledge of how you can be praying in the Spirit. Are you actually praying in the Spirit? You don't have to. Listen, you don't have to do any of these things to get to heaven. They are benefits. They will help you. I, uh, this whole thing is about you have a purpose, but there is power for you to fulfill the purpose that you're called to. And I'm not talking about, I want a career at 7-Eleven. That's not the kind of purpose I'm talking about. There's nothing wrong with having a career at 7-Eleven. I thank God for 7-Eleven. I think Slurpees are awesome. So whatever, you know, I think that there is no problem. Honestly, there's not about what you're doing. It's what you have a grander purpose than your job. 
You have a kingdom purpose. You have kingdom value. And you need the Holy Spirit to fill that. And I'm not saying you need the Holy Spirit because you don't have Him. You do have Him. You have been given, but are you, do you know how to yield to Him? Do you know how to draw out the wisdom that He gives you? Do you know that one of the many other benefits that, you know, are, are, are um, the revelation knowledge that He can give you? Uh, we mentioned this one, that He can show you th- things to come. He will show you things to come. You can have insider information on the stock exchange. I mean, that's illegal for any IRS agents watching. I'm not... I'm not advocating inside information trading. <laughs> Other than the Holy Spirit who tells you and puts you a prompt and he says, like I said, Andrew Womack's got a testimony. I'm, I'm you know, about selling his shares and buying again. He, during COVID, Andrew and Jamie made 70% profit because they got out of the stock market when God said got out because they, Jamie said, apparently Jamie had an inheritance from her parents that they, 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 they hadn't had that ex- kind of extra money, so they put it into the stock market. And she, Jamie, felt that they needed to get it out before this whole COVID thing happened. So they pulled it, or, or the crash, it may have been before, I think it was in the crash in a way, actually. But I mean, anyhow, bottom line is they t- took it out. And guess what? Like the next week or the next month or whatever, boom. And guess what? They put it all back in when it was all low and guess made, made a whole bunch of money. You see, God doesn't make gold bullion and print paper bills and put them into your mailbox because you prayed. He is not a counterfeiter. But he can tell you, go and fish, catch the fish, go and do this. And something specific for you, where that job is, where that promotion is. Listen, if you're not even showing up to work on time because you can't be faithful and because you can't be diligent and because you don't know what hard work is, don't expect God to give you a promotion. I'm not saying that you can't, that you're not worth a promotion, but I mean, if you've got to walk in the way, be diligent when people aren't looking at you. There's, these are just things that are pro- stuffed full in the, in the Word of God. Listen, when, we have a, when we're a new creature and you believe that you are a new creature and you've been made and, and you take that truth and then new creatures who believe that they're new creatures start acting like new creatures because they don't believe that they should be that old creature that they were. Yes. Do you know, why, you know why thieves steal? Do you know, do you know, do you know why they steal? Because they believe that they're a thief. They believe it's okay to thieve, to steal. The reason you and I do things is because we feel we are subject to that. We believe that's who our identity is. It comes down to identity. Everything comes back down to who you truly believe you are. If you're cheating the tax man, you know why you're cheating him? You can go and ask the Holy Spirit because he'll lead you through down a path. But when you eventually get down to it, you don't believe that God can look after you. You don't believe that if you do things God's way, it will pay. You don't. You feel like you have to make it, make it happen for yourself. No matter what's going to happen. There's all of those things. Things not done in faith is sin. Why? Because I'm not trusting in God. I'm not trusting in his word, his way. But, you know, so he can show you things to come and then he can, he can uh, 
I, 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 I know the change that happened to me was uh, that I loved so, so dramatically, and so many people have touched on this before, but, but revelation knowledge. Just reading the Word of God, having the Holy Spirit, yielding to the Holy Spirit, and reading the Word of God. I, I mean, I had a different Bible after I, got, I yielded to the Holy Spirit within me. Praying in the Spirit, learning. He is the teacher. He will show you. And it says that He will remind you. He will, he will reveal Jesus to you. He will bring those things to me. And suddenly the, the Word of God is not just a whole bunch of gobbledygook that you feel like you beget so-and-so and whatever, blah, blah, blah. I can't do that. Whatever. Most people don't even read their Bible. Do you know that most Christians... Sorry, maybe I'm just going to not say that. I, don't, I, 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 I doubt whether a lot of Christians today even read their Bible. Because they're way too busy in social media. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with social media. It's great forum. But, but do you read your, the Bible? Or have you, have you made an intention to get the Word of God into you so that the Holy Spirit's got something to remind you of? A lot of believers don't even know the books of the Bible because they don't, well, whatever. I go to church, I pay my tithes, that's enough. Guys, you, you, can't, you can't benefit. I'm not ta- it's, it doesn't make you, it doesn't give you brownie little points and little gold stars if you read your Bible. It helps you live right because it gives you, shows you the way. Thy word is a, a light into my, por- you know, a light into my way, a lamp into my path. His word will show me how I should walk. Because I'm opening his word. It's like, oh, I shouldn't do that. Oh, that's, that's a good idea. Oh, be quick to hear and slow to speak. That's a good one. How many of us follow that one? Oh, most of you. Just me that doesn't. Okay. I mean, there's, some, like, there's things that can benefit your life. Do you know that there's scripture that says that he can show you how to live at peace, even with your enemies? If your life is in chaos and you want to blame everybody else, Ask God and the Holy Spirit to show you about the log in your own eye. And I'm just saying that as a, as a point of love because by Him showing you that stuff, you can have peace. He'll show you how to enjoy peace. But until then, I'm standing up on my rights. I'm not going to do anything until they apologize. Well, how's that working for you? Is it bringing you peace? I'm not saying who's right and wrong. You see, you see we've got these tables. I, I, who's right and who's wrong? Who did this and who did that? And Man, that's exhausting. You're going to try and keep a table of who's right and who's wrong, and you're going to be the judge of that? Like you've got all the information? Do you know that not even Jesus keeps a record of sins anymore? You do know that, right? 2 Corinthians 5.19. And the whole prophesied in Isaiah. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as red as scholars, they'll become as white as wool. I'll separate your sins as far as the east is from the west. Not counting men's sins against them. Many times in Hebrew. But you know what? We think that we've got a tally sheet because we believe God is a tally sheet. We want to be right. Why do you feel you have to be right? Because you think your righteousness comes from you. 
that was a very, that sounded kind of harsh, hey? No. No, you, you know, Holy Spirit can reveal things and teach and, and make the whole Word of God to connect and, and alive, you know. And my, um, my good friend over here gave me a, you know what this is? It's a valve. It's a ball valve. So it comes in a pipe. You get a pipe. Pipe goes this way. Pipe goes that way. And it's a simple, you won't be able to see it, I guess, but it's a simple turn will allow you access. So it'll either turn off the flow or turn on the flow. This is your ability. This is not dependent on the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. But you can do this. Why is God not doing anything? God doesn't love me. The heavens feel like brass because you're still trying to throw things up to the sky. You still don't believe that Christ is in me. Because then you wouldn't be praying up to the sky. You wouldn't be lighting candles when you go into a sanctuary because you know that he doesn't live there. He lives in me. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit because I believe the word of God. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ, you know how many scriptures say that Christ in me? It says the Holy Spirit will come and dwell in me forever. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit will make a hotel. You can be a motel six for the Holy Spirit. He might check in. He might leave. I know. But you decide. You decide. So before you point your finger at God, or anybody else, thank you, you choose what you will hear, what you will listen to, what you will get your heart established in. You can learn to flow with the Holy Spirit or not. That is very responsible kind of talk. And you know what? We don't like it because suddenly I've got nobody else to blame. Oh, man, it's so much fun when I can blame somebody else. Listen, I don't care what church you went to. That church or that person isn't going to stand before you and the Lord. Right. He is not going to. And I, I don't even care about Judgment Day. There is not about that. And Judgment Day, you're safe because you're in Jesus. That's going to be the great. There's a great white throne judgment and there's a judgment seat of Christ. And, and, it's, and, and all of those things, that's not the point. But do you want to live life here? Do you want to live a significant life here? An eternally significant. You've got a significant. Listen, while you're sucking wind on this air, oxygen on this planet, you have a significant kingdom purpose to fulfill. Amen. You, me, and we have barely scratched the surface. And it doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made, that's not the end. What will we do with that? What will we do with that? It is our choice. Amen. I think that, let's just close our eyes here. I, don't, I think that I don't want to go beyond that because Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And it is a choice, again, always my choice. I'm not a fan of, of formularized praying because I can't pray from your heart. Only you can do that. 
Only you can give you. And, you, and he is the one that sees your heart. I certainly don't. Your spouse doesn't. No matter how many people say, oh, they have such a good heart, they don't know that. But God does. He knows your deepest motives and intentions. Will you choose to believe Him? Will you choose to let the Holy Spirit be who He wants to be in your life? In many places, He is called the helper, the comforter. He is there to help. If you will let Him, if you will yield to Him, so just for a minute or two while this music is playing, I'm going to ask you, what decision do you make? And I'm going to ask you to tell that. You don't have to say it out loud if you don't want to. You can if you want to. But tell him what your choice is. Mercy endures forever. Boldly approach the throne of grace. Lay hold of my mercy and receive grace to help in a time of need. Helper, strengthener, encourager, comforter, who comforts you in all your afflictions. In Jesus, you've been made the very righteousness of God. That is it. That is a truth you tell yourself. Lord, we tell ourselves. These of us, in fact, before that, if you do not know and you're not persuaded of what, whether you are in Jesus, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's as simple as that. If you're in need of Jesus and you don't know him, with your heart, call out to him and say, Jesus, I need you to be my savior. I receive that sacrifice 
of what you paid on the cross. I, I, I receive that for me. And I believe that you were raised from the dead on the third day. And I declare you Lord of my life. Something like that. When you receive Jesus, you are his very righteousness. Be it, allow your heart to be constantly established every time, every day of this truth. You are loved unconditionally and eternally. Thank you, Father. Thank you for ministering love to your people, your mercy, your grace, so rich, so free. Thank you, Lord. And it's such a sweet thing there. There's such great peace there. Thank you for yielding to him. I'm telling you, there's nothing that brings Jesus more joy than a yielded heart because that's what he exists for, to seek and save the lost. Jesus loves you so much. And even if you're a believer and you feel you've disappointed the Lord because you may have strayed or drifted far from him or something like that, I tell you, he has never strayed from you. He is always with you. He will never, ever leave you or forsake you. All you need to do is turn around and see, oh, he is here. Thank you, Jesus, for loving on us, for the so great a covenant. You know, it's an environment of mercy like this that if you've ever struggled with sickness, it's a great time to just yield to that healing by his stripes, by his sicknesses, your sicknesses he carried, his, your pains, your diseases he carried. It's a great time to imagine them on Jesus on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Online, you know. You can just text that word prayer or if you need uh, to be contacted, we'd love to help you with that. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hi, it's hard to close services when you feel the Holy Spirit is just moving like that. Just so sweetly.